0: Oh, baby. What an episode we have for you today. Everybody, this is Brian. And as many of you know, I have a smooth jazz album I wrote that's coming out. It was produced by the incredible Commander Meowch from TWRP. And today we are talking with him and we're doing a song exploder where we go through the two singles from the album track by track. And this is one where you definitely want to see the video for this, which you can get on our Patreon, patreon.com slash Night. You can see Meowch's sessions. We go through the tracks, we solo them. It really adds a lot to see this stuff, uh, you know, to, to actually see the, the screen share for it. So please go over to that Patreon. Plus, it's a nice way to support the show. And of course, if you want to hear the singles, which you do, search for Trey Magnifique wherever you get audio. And also go to letshavesax.com to pre-order a vinyl, cassette, or even signed headshot. Enjoy the show. Today's an exciting day. In fact, this is a first in late night history. We're doing our, uh, our song exploder. What should we call this here? Schlong exploder? Veto, no. Veto, okay. <laughs> then come up, here's the, here's the way it works with ideas. You can veto, but then you have to come up with something better.
1: No. <laughs> so if the, you, if the initial success, well. suggestion is just so bad and so facetious, I don't think it's on me to provide a better name.
0: Well, we have a guest... A repeat guest, in fact, who hasn't been on the show for a little while. Uh, Commander Meowch, hello.
1: Hello. Welcome, Commander.
2: Thanks for having me back.
0: Yeah, we're very excited to have you back on the show. It's been a while.
1: Three years, in fact.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Although, we did the Dead by Daylight thing, right?
1: We did, and we did...
0: But that was a mini-sode.
1: Meowch, were you around for the Weedening? I
2: was not around for the Weedening. Yeah, that oh, was we, we had Phobos, for the Phobos. Phobos Wheatening. called in. He's much more qualified to be on that sort of thing than I am anyway, so.
0: To be honking that Bobo. Let's, okay, right off the bat, (laughs) drop some Phobos dirt. Give us some some inside info and the bad stuff that Phobos does, like the really bad stuff, the stuff that he would never want you to say in public.
2: It's just a real bad guy. He's a bad
0: guy. He sucks shit.
2: Pretty good at honking that Bobo, though.
0: That's what they say. I would call him a C-plus guitar player. (laughs) And... An A plus, Bobo Honker.
2: That's good. That's very good. So he averages on like a, a B overall, something like that. <laughs> as, yeah, as, that's right. As a person,
0: <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, as as a person, F minus,
2: right? That F-. guy
0: manipulative, avaricious, just like generally inconsiderate of others. Malignant. I would even describe him as he's not a malignant narcissist because his particular, you know, constellation of neuroses. I think, expands beyond pure narcissism.
1: I want the late night, that's a bad guy compilation. I want that (laughs) supercut of us slandering everyone we know, which happens with stunning regularity.
0: That is, as I may have said in the past, that is something that I obtained, a mannerism I obtained from one Mr. J.P. Hassan, who says it about everybody.
1: Pretty much. Incredibly true.
0: So we are thrilled to not have Lord Phobos on. This week, but instead, twerps only, Commander Meowch. Yeah. Let's just introduce the show, everybody. This is Late Night with Brian Wecht. Over here, we have my uh, indicted co-conspirator, Laden <laughs> Gray.
1: <laughs> you have to introduce me. Is that every time now? That's the way it should be. That is, yeah. in fact, me. And over here, we have Commander Meowch, who Hi. has so kindly decided to join us today. How are you doing?
2: Oh, not bad at all. Got some nice coffee. Got some smooth jazz. Oh yeah, hell yeah!
1: How do you take your coffee? Oh,
2: black in the butt. (laughs) You know, if if it's you're you're running low on time in the morning, you just need that caffeine fix. Lots of ways to get it done. You know,
0: that's right. Get it in there. (laughs) So we're recording this in mid September. You are about to embark on an international tour.
2: That's right. Yeah, just a couple days off to Norway. Wow.
0: The last time you were there was probably when we were there together, right?
2: Exactly right. Yeah.
0: Yep. We had a we had a great tour through Europe in 2019. 19. Yes, that would be it. And you, in fact, we were in Oslo together and that was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah. That was the last show of that tour, if I remember correctly.
0: That's right. That was a wild tour. One of my favorite memories of that tour was the, the time we took a bus from Edinburgh to Amsterdam. <laughs>
1: yeah. How long is that trek?
0: So you have to get from Scotland down through England to Dover. Then you get the bus on the ferry, which goes across to Calais, and then up, you know, through France, Belgium, into the Netherlands. And total, that was a two-day trip. I forget exactly how many hours, but uh, with waiting and blah, 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 it was like we ate up a... I think it was like a night and a day to do it. Does that sound right?
2: Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I mean, very scenic. That bus, the double-decker bus with the observation pod in the front was uh, something special. Never seen that before.
0: (laughs) The observation pod? Yeah. Talk about this pod.
2: I mean, the whole double-decker tour bus. uh, And then on the top level above where the driver was, was the, the lounge. And the lounge was just almost covered in windows. So, you basically had this, you know, say bird's eye view. The bird wasn't flying very high, but <laughs> you had kind of a view of kind of the English countryside and um, it was pretty great. Normally, uh, you don't get to see a lot of the road when you're traveling on a bus because right. all the driving happens at night. So,
0: yeah, my favorite memory of that trip was so we drove from Denmark to Sweden from copenhagen to malmo over the famous bridge that's there and it was in a torrential downpour high wind environment on this enormous <laughs> bridge in the dark and you can feel this bus like wobbling from side to side we had this bus driver this amazing tiny lady an ice and she ruled she was just like expertly manipulating this bus. Like, young woman, probably in her 30s or something, and was, like, the ultimate ninja bus driver, I guess literally here, and was just, like, navigating this crazy bridge at night in high rains and winds. And, you know, and if you, when you looked at, like, it's a bridge over, you know, that's way up over the water. It was terrifying. At one point, I was like, I can't look out this window anymore. Yeah. But what you have to keep telling yourself in a bus is most people don't die on these. And that has proved true. Every bus uh, we've ever taken here. Layton, here's a piece of tour bus uh, knowledge that I learned early on by being told not through experience, sleep with your feet towards the front.
1: So your head, head does not get Crushed. smashed yep. in, in case of
0: nice. In the event of a sudden stop. Yeah.
1: You know, everybody in our milieu tends to have touring experiences and right, this was maybe like February 2020, I was going to be like, you know, a little helper on, I don't even remember what the tour was supposed to be, but it was going to be a short like Texas thereabouts thing. So I almost would have experienced the bus life for the first time. And then of course, Uh nothing happened in the world in March of 2020. So
0: Well, you are always welcome on the Ninja Sex Party bus should there be an available bunk for you. And you will spend one night and be like, nope.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I get the feeling that I don't think I would jive with it, but I do love being around my friends, so.
0: That's the fun part.
1: The fun part is not
0: the living environment, which sucks. It's the being around a bunch of cool people and this sense of camaraderie.
1: Yeah, the living environment, the shitting environment.
0: Oh, the shitting environment. Don't even get me started on the shitting environment because what is the shitting environment? There is none on none. the bus. And every morning you wake up and you feel the clock start ticking. <laughs> and if that bus has not parked for the day, there's potential for discomfort.
1: That's such an important part of the morning. Oh. Jesus. You don't have to tell me.
2: <laughs> yeah, you got to time that, uh, that first morning coffee very carefully. Yeah, I don't drink sense. coffee
0: on the bus for that reason cuz you don't know when that switch is going to get flipped and not to be too graphic but with me I have a uh, a fast switch shall we say yeah my colon is efficient at what it does and uh should that switch get flipped it is go time
2: yeah that baby doesn't run on a dimmer switch
0: that is that is exactly <laughs> right yeah but I'm excited you guys are doing a European tour again that's awesome
2: yeah, it's going to be great to go back. We were in the UK last year around this time. But yeah, like proper Europe since you guys. And then France. That's our first time in France, too. We've never.
0: Actually- oh, oh, I forgot. Okay, that's awesome. In Paris? Paris. Nice. That's going to be awesome.
1: What uh, are you most looking forward to on this tour? I mean, I'm just
2: very, very excited to share um, Grob our artificially intelligent stage and production manager,
1: mm-hmm.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. to the rest of Europe. He's kind of a big deal, and uh, we're is. very excited to show him off.
0: I hear in in France he is, he is called Le Grob.
2: <laughs> Le Grob, yeah. Yep.
0: Well, I should ask, does Grob have any new features since the previous tour? Have
2: you Has Grob been updated? It's just bug fixes at this point. Still in beta testing.
0: Mm-hmm. I should identify myself publicly as a proud member of Phobos Nation on this. <laughs> Phobos Nation is Lord Phobos's street team of supporters. Now, I know some of you might be thinking you just came out very publicly against uh, Lord Phobos as a good person, but that's why I support him. Because when you want results, you need a bad person to do it. <laughs> Right. So what I like about Phobos the most is, even though I disagree with his methods quite harshly, I might add, quite strongly, I don't like the way he does things, but he does do things in a way that other members of Twerp are afraid to do.
2: He gets shit done.
0: He gets shit done in a way that Sung could never do, in a way that Have could never do, in a way that with all due respect, sir, you could never do. There's only I one guy- You zero interest
2: in yeah. doing the things that Phobos does. Only he can do them.
0: Only he can do them. And uh, I'm a proud member of Phobos Nation.
1: (laughs) Meowch, this is... uh, I completely lost it. Um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Jarek, don't cut that out. You must (laughs) Uh, leave that in.
1: Meowch, you and I share a characteristic that both of us are big Stephen King fans. And I wanted to talk to you about Stephen King on this show. Because I feel like we've had a few moments where we've talked to a guest about Stephen King, but doing the King deep dive, it takes a while. But I thought this would be a nice time for a new segment called Go Off King. Go off, <laughs> Go on,
0: King. Go off King. Go off. Well, of course, the first thing we have to address, Layton, is Stephen King's marital issues, which were briefly discussed. So, Miach, did you see something about Stephen King's marriage that was making the news a week or two ago? Uh, no. So there was a headline. He did an interview with Rolling Stone, and a headline was making the rounds that said that he played Mambo Number Five so much that his wife threatened to leave him.
1: The trumpets. (laughs) Like that. <laughs> he was yeah. playing the dance remix too <laughs> yes
0: oh not even the album cut no <laughs> no. he's he's a real uh big ahead
1: like me <laughs> <laughs> the interview he revealed that he also really loves lcd sound system which very good
2: very good i mean i'm a big boy i'll admit it
1: we all are aren't we
2: yeah i mean i remember when i was a kid my mother had the cd and i think it was just because of the like Columbia house records Mm -hmm. thing where you just like, you kind of had to get a CD. I'm assuming that's why she got it. But yeah, I, I definitely have listened to that entire album and not just mambo number five many, many times. Wow.
0: I've never heard a Lou Bega song. That's not mambo number five. Yeah. Can you tell us anything about the other tracks or is it all mambo?
2: I don't think so. I, I mean, it's been a long time since I revisited those records. Pulling this up on Spotify right
0: now. The
1: track list goes Mambo number one, Mambo number two, (laughs) and so on.
0: Now you're gonna be shocked. So Lubega has a large number of monthly listeners on Spotify, 4.7 million. You might be shocked to find out that Mambo number five is far and away his most popular song.
1: (laughs) What? No. With five
0: hundred and sixty-eight million plays. Wow. So I think he's doing okay. Wow. Look at that. His most recent album from 2021 is called Bongo Bong. <laughs> Wait, he has an album called Scat Man and Hat Man.
1: <laughs> oh my god! That's when you take a large amount of Benadryl and then listen to jazz. <laughs> <laughs> when the Hat Man starts scatting, you have a problem.
0: So the the album you remember? It's a little bit of mambo where he's on the cover with a white suit.
1: Yes. I fucked up of him to rip off Trey Magnifique like that.
0: Okay, I'm just going to read this track list because it rules. Mambo number five, of course. Baby, keep smiling. Sure. Lose cafe. Uh Uh-huh. Then we get to can I tico-tico you. I got a girl. Tricky, tricky. Ice cream, but ice cream is one word. Beauty on the TV screen and the phrase TV screen is hyphenated. One plus one equals two.
1: Radiohead is shaking.
0: Yeah. The most expensive girl in the world which, okay. The <laughs> Trumpet Part 2, and there's no Trumpet Part 1 on this album, and I believe it's his first album. Uh, Behind Stage and Mambo Mambo. That wow. is great. Does he have a previous album with Trumpet Part 1? He does not, at least on Spotify.
1: I love that. That's like a thing that really bothers me lately with movies is I'm sick of movies doing title cards for the different like parts of mm-hmm. a movie. Like, it is so hard to pull that off and not be obnoxious. And now I'm banning it. Nobody's allowed to do it. I'm sick of seeing it. But the movie that I will pop later in this episode mm. does a third act title card and it's the only title card in the movie. And it's just part three madness. Uh, mm. And in the context of the movie, it's so fucking funny. So that movie is the only one that is allowed to do it, but it was made in 1999. So that's great. 23 years of transgressions against cinema.
0: I don't want to derail your Stephen King talk, so talk about Stephen King.
1: Oh, yeah. Meowch, you and I have talked about Stephen King at length, but not on a recorded platform. So what are some of your favorite Kings?
2: I mean, it's hard to go wrong with a lot of those classics, even the the later ones too. But I will say that The Dark Tower is a frigging masterpiece and probably deserves a reread at some point. Yeah,
1: because you you have a big King shelf, right?
2: Yeah, i got like a whole bookshelf. It's just Stephen King novels.
0: I have the same thing, but it's Stephen Crowder. Oh, God. Uh, Stop. No, 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 never mind. Okay.
2: They're great, especially for uh, touring and on the road, too, because they're usually pretty succinct. Yeah, love me some Stephen King.
1: Uh, Other than Dark Tower, what are some of your faves? When you say classics, you're talking about like Pet Sematary, Shining...
2: Uh, yeah, Salem's lot shining.
0: Did you see they're putting on a pet cemetery prequel series? They are. Yeah. That's not a setup for a bit. A what? No, no, I'm genuinely asking. A setup for a what? It's
2: about the life of the cat
1: or a <laughs> <laughs> regular movie about a cat sleeping. <laughs> God, I'm so fucking sick of prequels. I,
0: I'm not kidding, but it is not a bit because, as we know, I don't do bits. But if I were to have done bits ever, this would not be one of them. There is a—I just saw yesterday a trailer for a prequel.
1: Wow. What happens in the trailer? I don't
0: even remember. I watched one minute of it, and I was like, nope, I'm not. I can't. I don't have any interest in this.
1: Yeah, because the latest remake of Pet Cemetery was so great, and really, makes I forgot me there have was one. Right, yeah. <laughs> there is it's bad. It's real fucking bad. And spoilers, they switch it so instead of the little boy dying, it's the daughter. Oh, Ugh, just trash. Uh John Lithgow is in it though and he's oh, the only I like part him. of the he's movie. He's pretty good. Yeah. Great. So that was Go Off King. I have nothing else to say. Do you have anything else to say about Stephen King?
2: Yeah, I would say that his it's hard to say newer books because he puts out like fucking three of them a year or whatever, but the um Mr. Mercedes books he did a few years ago. Oh, are those good? Yeah, they're they're good. They're like um, mystery, I guess, than like straight horror.
1: Yeah, I don't know. The Outsider feels pretty straight yes. horror. And it's very good. It's just I, in terms of like Stephen King endings that go off the rails and suck, that book suffers from that dearly, even though most of it's very good.
2: Yeah, I just accept that fact. Yeah. Every time you have a Stephen King book or watch a Stephen King movie. I'm like, oh, I'm sure the dialogue is going to be interesting and I'm going to like the characters. It's going to be a little spooky and it's probably going to fucking crash and burn at the end.
1: Yeah. I read Needful Things for the first time this year, which I fucking loved. But that ending is especially, and it's fine because like the climax of the book, that it's such a long, slow burn getting to that point. The climax itself is what's satisfying, not necessarily like the evil is defeated part, which <laughs> is very silly.
2: Yeah, I feel like every time I'm in an airport, there's like three brand new Stephen King novels (laughs) in the show that I have Um, not heard of. Yeah, I don't know how he does it. Isn't his whole shtick, like write a thousand words a day? Like every day he just has the quota?
0: Yeah. What words are to Stephen King, that's what notes are to Lord Phobos. That's right.
1: It's (laughs) like you got to get your thousand notes in
2: every day. Ten thousand notes a day, yeah. Yeah, that's right.
1: (laughs) Well, speaking of notes, do we want to... Segue into something this show has never done before?
0: Yes, we do. So today, today is a special day. Today, when this comes out, October 13th, the second single from the upcoming Trey Magnifique album, Mature Situations, or as they say in Canada, Mature Situations, <laughs> is out with a music video that, as of this recording, let me say, I hope that music video is out today. (laughs) I think it will be. But uh, the second single, uh, known as Santa Monica Boulevard, is out today. And this album, although written by me, was produced and performed largely by the one and only Commander Meowch. So I thought this would be a fun opportunity to do like a song exploder thing. Where So I've never seen his Ableton sessions for this. We recorded this in Toronto last year. And then, you know, he worked his magic on it and made an album that I absolutely love. He's the only person I could imagine ever producing this kind of thing and doing it this well. And I thought it'd be fun to go through the two singles on it. Well, I mean, we'll do one and then see how long it takes and do it like Song Exploder style and kind of get into it and, you know, see the the tracks, hear about them. I'm sure I have a lot of, you know, stuff here with individual tracks I haven't even heard yet. And so that's what we're going to do.
1: And for those of you who want to follow along by watching the Ableton Mm. session and not just hearing the beautiful sounds that it makes, you can go to our Patreon at patreon.com slash late night and watch that shit.
0: Because it's there. It's there. Any tier. Sign up at any tier. Two bucks gets you access to this Ableton session or or the video version thereof. So this is the first single entitled Satin Velvet, which is a phrase I pulled from a fan fiction I wrote a couple of years <laughs> back that some of you may have read, which I am not allowed to talk about anymore uh, <laughs> due to a personal request. But I always thought this was a funny title for a song. And yeah, let's just, should we play a little of it first so we can just get the general
1: vibe? I mean, will you get copyright struck by yourself if you play the whole track? I almost feel like that's important context. I might. I might. We're going to chance it
0: on this one. Okay. And it's a claim, not a strike. No, I'm going to strike it, actually. I'll, I'll move to move to strike. All right. Strike it. Strike it. Okay, great. Yeah, play, play a little of the song.
2: Yeah, let's just uh, settle in. Right, it's pr- very early in the morning, but we're recording this, but if you have like a smooth cognac or a white wine mm-hmm. i feel like that's a very appropriate oh i couldn't agree more yeah
0: and if you're drinking coffee put some baileys in that baileys if you baileys.
2: must yeah yeah
0: I think that's enough to give the general vibe. So fucking
2: smooth.
0: It's so smooth. It is soul. And to use a phrase I learned from you, adult. This is a very adult,
2: very adult. Do
0: you want to walk us through a bit of what's going on here in the in the track? Yeah, yeah.
2: I guess we just talk about the the tune a little bit and maybe how it started. I think this is one of the one of the tunes we did that was a lot more production heavy i guess in terms of when it started like its demo pull up the demo yeah so i guess when when we were making it you started out with logic demos for pretty much all of them Yep. and then you would send me over the stems and some midi and then we would kind of go back and forth arrangement wise and trimming yep then uh once we had everything kind of demoed out and arranged more or less We went to the studio with the very talented Thomas Darcy. Oh, yeah, here in Toronto, who is not on this track, but is definitely on the next track. He's on the next one, yeah, yeah. And then we kind of went back and forth. I guess if you're an audio nerd or a musician or producer, one kind of interesting thing is I guess every song on this album went through like three different DAWs or digital audio workstations,
0: right? They all started (laughs) in Logic.
2: And port it over to Ableton, back to Pro Tools, and then back to Ableton. Yeah, yeah. Everyone has their preferred method, and I'm an Ableton guy.
0: Can you play a little of the demo, if if that's easy to do? Absolutely,
2: yes. Switch back over to... A product. Different levels of smoothness happening right there, for sure. (laughs) Oh,
0: yeah. Play that demo again from where you were, just real quick. So you might notice that it's not a saxophone in the demo. (laughs) And that is because when I wrote it, I had recently had dental surgery and (laughs) couldn't play. I think I may have talked about this in the podcast. Uh, I went in for this procedure and the dentist is like, oh yeah, you can't play for six weeks. And I was like, what the, he had never mentioned this to me before. And I had scheduled like a writing retreat and all this shit. And I was like, fuck. So I had to write, maybe half the songs doing the sax line on synth, thinking about doing the fingerings and making sure I'm very good at fingerings, uh, the make sure it would actually work on the horn and the red key and all that. But that is not a saxophone. That's just some logic synth originally.
2: I'm a little squelchy guy.
0: Yeah. So you can hear, I mean, one of the things of course you can hear in that is the vast improvement that <laughs> happened when, <laughs> when you started working on it.
2: Right. It's a whole new palette of sounds. Yes. A really fun uh, process for me producing anything, obviously, but seeing tracks go from, you know, their demo sounds into a studio and just being able to like, oh, well, let's try this synthesizer. or Why don't we put piano in this or what is this? weird thing you know it's like oh there's an omnicord lying around like the fucking grab that and try some stuff out yeah which is always great sometimes it's an improvement and then other times there're certain things in the demo that just become so integral to the song that you can't even get rid of it and one of those things is this little
0: oh yeah this is my favorite here,
2: alien language
0: mm-hmm.
2: it's a logic pad logic pad yeah let's take a quick little listen to it here kind of little stereo plucks and what sounds like some aliens having a conversation in the background, (laughs) which is, it's a, it's a very unique kind of sound. Like when you would pull that up in a preset you're like, I don't know what the, why, why is there the alien sound? But for whatever reason, it just like sits in the track. So nice and just adds texture and that cool little stereo plucking sound. And there's always, you know, some integral part where you're like, "Ah, the track's not the same without it.
0: There's another pad, I think, that's in there. The one that comes in red at the beginning that was in the original, is that right? That sound. Is that a... I can't remember what's in it. Was that just a synth lead or what? Oh, synth string. That's what it is, the synth string. Okay.
2: Mm Yeah, I can't remember if these strings are from the demo.
0: I think they are.
2: Yeah, I think that's it. Undulating analog strings one.
0: (laughs) I I insist that all my uh, sounds be undulating
2: do not mean a thing if it ain't got that undulating.
0: <laughs> you know what? I think that is a song title for the next tray album. <laughs>
2: I'm
0: yeah. adding that to my list of song titles.
1: Yeah. You know what? I feel like would be a good song title for you, Brian. Just ministrations.
0: Min- I like that a lot, Layden. Uh Let me. Find- I'm going to write both of these down. <laughs> can you talk to us a little bit about the percussion on this track because this is something that you changed a lot from the original demo so can we hear just the percussion tracks
2: yeah let's let's kind of go through and uh, yeah, talk about the drums so for this one, I mean one fun thing with this record is that it's obviously a smooth jazz uh masterpiece obviously but it spans a lot of different kind of types of jazz there's not one sound that goes through the whole record I mean this the saxophone obviously that's tying everything in but there's mm-hmm. you know there's like some some more like swing jazz stuff there's this smooth stuff there's more electronic you know like early 90s g4 style songs on here there's one latin thing there's a the vocal thing the Giro thing yeah a couple of vocal features and uh yeah this one is definitely more of like a, a very laid-back fireplace roaring candles you know v- romantic very romantic.
0: I'll be honest everybody. This is music to fuck to.
2: This is music like, to fuck to. Yeah, you
0: should be sure. fucking while you listen to this music. <laughs> you don't have to be if you choose not to, of course. But I feel comfortable saying you probably should be to get the full experience. It works. Yes, that's right. That's right.
2: So yeah, for this one, the demo drums were just just a loop. I think it was an actual kit and it definitely felt very drum machine-y. Yep. So there's a producer named Oliver who makes incredible sounding samples and the drums, especially he's got a lot of classic drum machine sounds sampled and patterns and they sound great. They're usually pretty like drag and drop in. They're really fast for ideas. And this one, I felt like a very analog kind of dinky sounding drum machine, Right. Almost like a, you can't see me do the air quotes, but like a, you know, a lat preset button, right? Like, yeah, uh, you know, it just kind of felt like the vibe. Uh, yep. That's really all that happens uh, drum percussion-wise for most of the tune until we get to kind of the chorus beat section of the tune. Mm-hmm. Uh, all I did was just kind of add a few more thin uh, drum samples.
0: Yeah. i listen to those.
2: Yeah. So I wanted just a very like sound like if you had a, a lindrum in front of you and you were programming the pattern. Yeah. So not a lot of fills, a, kind of like a two bar loop or whatever.
0: For those people who don't know, we should say lindrum is a famous, famous drum machine used by a million people, not the <clears> least <throat> of which is Prince. And is just like one of the all time great drum machines and classic. Like what was it? It was early 90s, late 80s. When was it?
2: I want to say the late 70s, 80s.
0: What a beautiful machine, too. Look at that thing.
2: Oh, my God. Wood paneling. Damn. Oh Yeah. And you
0: can get virtual ones, of course. Like,
2: Yep. You can get the samples. They're very easy to find. Uh, a lot of um, the character with those old machines is sometimes they have like different shuffle or swing patterns that are built in. Right. That are, you know, just a character of the machine. And you can still get it, like, digitally, but it's not... Not the same and not as fast at times.
0: Have you ever worked with a, a real, like, classic drum machine?
2: Oh, yeah. Like, um, 707s and some newer Roland ones. 909. Our drummer, have Hogan. Who? Picked up a few.
1: Is he a bad guy?
2: He's a real bad
1: guy. Yeah. Terrible. I figured he is,
0: Sucks. as they say,
2: a asshole.
1: I could tell yeah. from the way that he lays a beat down that he's a bad person. <laughs>
2: Yeah, bad beats, bad attitude.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, so I guess for for this, for the drums, pretty straightforward. I mean, um, yeah, not a lot going on. This is a very low track count for drums. And then, yeah, for any nerds out there, here's just a few signal chains, some fun plugins, kind of giving it their sound.
0: Yeah, talk us through these.
2: So I have some, some go-tos that I love on my drum bus, usually whether it's a real kit or... A machine like this just stages of like compression and saturation so Ooh. so we have a little bit of tape so if you were recording this in a studio 40 years ago you're recording everything to tape this is a nice emulation and usually when you record something to tape it sounds a little warmer more analog uh you get some saturation it kind of just glues all of the sounds together
0: mm-hmm.
2: so we have uh some tape we have another saturation which is uh tube just a little more analog stuff just a little bit of eq on the drums and then some compression plus compression on here and then a little bit of limiting on it so we can take a listen to the drum loop with it on going and then off With all of these things, just trying to emulate the sound of an old piece of hardware and, and nothing super crazy, real vintagey kind of vibe to it.
0: And it really, it adds so much to the track. I mean, it really, especially, I mean, there's a lot of improvements you made. But throughout the whole album, the percussion is, is one of the biggest because it's just the way you put everything together and, you know, ran it through these chains. I, I don't know really anything about this stuff. It makes everything a billion times better, dude. Like, it is so great.
2: Real Um, nerdy.
0: Real nerdy.
1: Talk to me about the vibes tracks that I'm looking at.
2: This was kind of just uh, a situation where I don't think either of us went into the studio being like, oh, this record needs vibraphone. Like, all over it. Nope. But it just happened to be there and sounded great and is, what can you say? It's a fucking vibe.
0: It's a vibe.
1: That's really nice. I don't think I would have picked up on that listening to the track. I forgot they were
0: in this track, so that's me playing them, and we just were like, "Let's try it on stuff." And it definitely is tucked in there. Yeah, I had forgotten that we we did it on this actually until right now.
2: Just something I like doing, whether I'm producing Twerp stuff or writing songs with other artists, layering so many sounds and textures. Yep. Because yeah, the the you don't really hear it too much in context with the tune. Right? You're kind of just hearing a little, uh, some little uh, notes extending the chord kind of at the end. It's kind of just off to one side. Yep. And a lot of it is just like the air of like the microphone, just like in the room with yep. it that's kind of adding it, which is great, especially for something like something that has a drum machine or something that has a lot of synths. So you you want to feel like you're in a room with these things, just kind of the air moving through the mic. But yeah, the vibes are on a few tracks like that. Some of them are a little more present than others The next one
0: that we'll talk about has a much more present vibe oh yes yeah Uh, and i by the way do i play the vibraphone no i don't but (laughs) it's laid out like a piano so there you go
2: sounds like you play the vibraphone man that's that's
0: (laughs) uh i was showing audrey some percussion stuff like videos of people doing it and it's one of those you know mallet players that has the you know bunch of mallets in each hand is like moving them all around like crazy. It's such such a fucking cool skill.
1: I was going to say like a Freddy Krueger glove with mallets on on it would be pretty... It's not far from what that. they do, actually.
0: Well, an- another thing that uh, really occurs to me about something that that's so different from the demo is the bass. Like you can feel the sub on this. Like, yeah.
2: So, yeah. obviously, I am a bass player. Pretty much primarily it's the only instrument i'm like mostly good at i can dig my way around other stuff but bass is the thing i'm the most comfortable on and with this song my first instinct was the line is a very like obviously like these big whole notes very legato Mm
0: -hmm.
2: it's like oh, i could try some some fretless bass on there you know real 80s chorus like long held fretless notes and it just kind of wasn't wasn't working and also, like, a busier bass part didn't fit the vibe either. So I think what I did was take the demo MIDI and then just made a big, big subby kind yeah. of bass sound. Um, something that you probably, if you're listening to the record or whatever, or even this, like a phone, you might not even hear that. It's all very, very subby
0: You know, I I was listening to it through. I think it was the speaker on my phone, and it is fun how that just like erases it entirely. Pretty much can't handle that frequency. Yeah,
2: yeah, because there's so many other things kind of filling up that frequency, right? Because there's there's the big full strings, there's big nice held piano chords, there's another Juno patch here. Ooh, I was not really in that space, but there's a lot of. Chords kind of taking up that information. So, for me, thinking about like, oh, I got to mix this and what's going to work for the song, a, a really, really simple uh, synth bass was the move. So, I have a whole bunch of analog synth bass. We had a Moog. There's a Moog on here. And I think for mm-hmm. this, just because I wanted more control after the fact, just making a L'Ecre magnifique sub bass, real simple triangle wave, a little bit of glide, cutoff filter, and then just a few other. Kind of plug it, yeah, you can see.
0: Yeah, just, fuck you, treble.
2: Yeah, there's there's no room for any of that. does not need it. But yeah, the glide gives it a little bit of movement, like the chorus. Right, hearing it uh, kind of swell or, or slide into the next note mm-hmm. gives it a real smoothness, I would say.
0: Totally, I love the bass on this. I mean, it, you can really feel it in a way that I think just, it enhances the track so much.
1: Yeah, I think I haven't heard it on headphones until now, and that is totally what is making all the difference for me. Yeah. Because uh, it's great on a little phone speaker, but this is uh, chef's kiss. <laughs> Would you talk to me a little bit about the music theory? Like, what what key is this in? What's going on?
0: This is in G minor, mostly. And, I mean, there's nothing, like, really out of that key going on here. It's It's pretty... Uh, just solidly in that key, and there's a lot of sevenths because that's kind of the smooth jazz, jazz uh, vibe. You got to have them. So the the main melody, duh, 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 I think that's a, duh, yeah, um, I think that's a seventh. But yeah, it, it, music theory wise, there's nothing really that interesting happening with with this particular song. There are some songs that get a little more on the on the album that get a little more spicy. Uh, particularly the next track, DTF Down to Funk, that was actually I think the first one I wrote for the album, and that has some like much more interesting chord structures. And oh,
2: there's some you know, modulating going on there.
0: It's modulating. There's like the actual chords in it. I think are interesting. This one is not interesting. It's just kind of solidly G
2: minor with sevenths thrown in. For this kind of smooth jazz, I mean, we watched that. Kenny G documentary oh, yeah we did and uh, that was like came up as like i don't know if it was like a criticism or just an observation where it's like a lot of the smooth jazz vibe like doesn't necessarily need to be crazy harmonically complex or right or just doing shit for the sake of doing shit which other genres in in, in jazz or subgenres or whatever definitely benefit from but yes sometimes it's just simple as the smoothest possible option. For
0: me personally, it is a bit of a a struggle, which is something I have throughout my music writing, which is like convincing myself that simple is fine. Like not everything needs to be, you know, some crazy jazz odyssey. Like sometimes it's okay to go one, four, five, and that's what the song needs and that's fine. With this, I remember writing this, I was like, let's just get a vibe and do it. So this is definitely one where... The music theory is the least interesting part of the song. Actually I wanted to ask, can you just remind me so which of these tracks are studio and which did you put in midi or you you isolated the Juno before that studio had a bunch of dope gear, some of which I think we
2: brought in Juno you know, uh one oh six I think that's what he has
0: classic Roland synth for those of you who don't know yeah.
2: the Juno's great for these um really nice pads. That's kind of in our A section. And then uh, open up. Brassier kind of sound in the chorus.
0: Yep. What's the bell, the bell patch down below? Was that... Did we do that in the studio? I can't remember.
2: Oh, this is the guitar.
0: Oh, that's... Sorry. Yeah. I, I can't read. That's guitar. Well, I think, I think in the demo, it was... It was some pluck synth or something, pluck right? Pluck
2: synth or, or something or, like that, yeah. And we're like, ah, oh, it just needs to be guitar. And we got... F-
0: Phobos in there, and he... Had Phobos
2: it. play it, yeah, for the entirety, and then I probably just cut it up, because yeah. it's... Real dry.
0: Nice. Yeah. Was he going through his Kemper on that? What Do you remember?
2: Probably. I can't imagine we all done an amp for that part. This would have been a very a very quick recording like they'd run it twice and that's all i need these sorts of guitar parts are almost i always treat them more like percussion yes it's just holding a rhythm it's just like three notes so people who
0: don't know with guitar or bass or whatever right there are a couple different ways of recording it you can either put a mic in front of an amp right or you can go, you know, kind of directly in through whatever effects you want. And you get different sounds from each. And sometimes you want one, sometimes you want another, sometimes you want both on the same track.
2: Oh, yeah. So, the, yeah, the Kemper, I guess, yeah, for context, it's a guitar modeling computer, basically, is what it is. Used it live and in the studio. And it's a fantastic piece of gear. It's really easy to get sounds on, to scroll through. The sounds sound Fantastic.
0: Fantastic
2: sometimes you want a, a real amp sound depends on what you're going for and mm-hmm. where the instrument is going to sit also turning a guitar amp up to 10 and letting it <laughs> rip is just one of the coolest things you could possibly yeah, do Absolutely. <laughs> but if you're making smooth jazz it's just find a nice clean fender kind of sound and palm you'd pick apart and yeah. get a harmony on that very last
0: Some nice thirds in there, yeah. So we had the piano, piano, right?
2: Yeah, it's a nice upright piano.
0: So that's me playing that,
2: and later on, or another layer of. bit Get of that. overdub sounds great yeah i love that
0: it's a great sound and i love the the verb on that it makes it so nice did we play the selena yet the thing is dope
2: yeah so this is like a real subtle layer i think this is just like a yep just holding on to that one note there you go yeah it's almost like the vibes where it's just barely audible it's just adding a, like a little bit more texture and filling it out and it's just a way to kind of Level up that section for the final, you know, rotation of it.
0: Level up available on vinyl and CD. (laughs) Can you play the synth solo in the middle? Because I love the sounds on that thing. And that was all in studio, right?
2: Yep. This would have been the uh, Mini Moog. Yep. We are fortunate enough to record with, uh, I think it's a 77. I first started working with Tom. We were doing the very first twerp EP, the two-night EP. Tom mostly is a rock dude, disco, pop, and he does a ton of stuff. Everything. But he does everything, but I think, I can't remember if I asked him or the conversation came up and he was like, oh, like my friend selling a mini Moog. And for those of you that don't know, a mini Moog is a, one of the first.
0: Like an early mini Moog is what an you're An OG
2: about. one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a 77, I think. But yeah, he had an opportunity. He's like, Would you use this if I bought it? And I was like, Absolutely. And he was I like, Okay, perfect.
0: use it until it broke. In fact, yeah, until it broke.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So he's had that, uh, Mini Moog for, for the last fucking, I guess, 10 years or whatever. It's but so great. I think it, the Twerp EP was the first thing it got used on because he literally got it when we were doing those sessions. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. And it's just an amazing, huge, very classic sound, amazing synthesizer for leads and basses. To mono synth, you can only play one note at a time on it. But for real musicians, that's all you need. That's all you need. Yeah.
1: There is so, yeah. a uh, free Mini Moog iPad app also. If anybody wants to mess around oh. with a nice little VST of it, like I'm kind of shocked it's free, it's pretty robust, and you can plug it into Ableton if you have a little USB C from your iPad.
2: Cool. Yeah. It's one of the most recreated synths around there, too. I mean, the uh, even the bass patch it's something you could, we could program on a, on a mode like that as well yeah but if you got the real thing might as well use the real thing
0: can you solo that Yeah, that the glissando <laughs> at the end.
1: That's yep. lovely. Isn't yeah, that
0: great real, sound?
2: real
1: smooth.
0: Is that the one that had the crazy uh, pitch shift that went an octave?
2: Yeah, so uh, fun fact about original Minimoogs is that the pitch bend, pitch bend. kind of yeah, knob on the side, is. on most keyboards and you have a pitch bend, it'll usually go up one whole it's step like whole and step, down yeah. one whole step because that's a real musically intuitive way to have it. It makes sense when you're playing to have that kind of range. The mini-mode was not made by musicians. It's made by nerds, fucking scientists. And apparently they thought that if you turn the wheel up, it should go up, I think it's 17 half-steps or it's something insane.
0: like that. Yeah, it, It's insane. Yeah, I remembered being an octave, so 12, but yeah, plausible that it's more because you're like, what is going on?
2: It's more, Yes, yeah. A lot of people would take their since in and get that, removed or modified i know that when we were using this i was the first time i used one like in real life and i was like is this broken why would it be like this who wants to why would it yes. bend that much because you like it's,
0: look at you touch it and it's you suddenly your attitude
2: right yeah, yeah. so what i did when we were recording anytime i use this thing i think i took like a, a pack of like hall's cough drops and taped it to the side of the the mod wheel, so that the bar wouldn't move past it. (laughs) So you could kind of play with it. You you could get it up to a a whole step up, but the cough drops would stop it from moving. So it made it useful. Gear hack. Gear hack, yeah. yeah. Studio tricks. But uh, yeah, a nice thing with with a synth like this too, and you can kind of hear it even in the beginning, the glide. The glide makes this like solo as fun
0: as it is. I remember playing around with it and just being like, you, you kind of calculate which notes you want to play. If I make This jump in this interval, you're going to get a nice, which is going to hit right at the right time. Right. So you kind of have to game it out a little bit.
2: Oh, it's odd. It it just makes it just expressive, super, super expressive. Yeah. Yeah. You can hear it right off the top there.
0: Right. Cause I remember what you, so what you have to do with that, right, is you press a low note before you start recording or cut it out. And then you start at the top, you hit the first note in it. Remembers the previous note, it goes up.
2: Yeah, glides right into it. Super cool. And then just some effects. Delay and some auto. Yeah, real spacey, proggy kind of sound. Yeah, that's so great.
0: Uh, I think that's pretty solid for this track. Do you mix this as well? yeah. And we're hearing that. I mean, this is the mix, right?
2: Yeah. This is pretty much, yeah, the the mix session. Not mastered by me. No. Mastered by
0: the amazing Christian Montana.
2: Yep. Yeah, it's a pretty simple one. For, for the record, too, I mean, the track count seems high. I mean, it's a 69 with the talkback mic, of course.
1: <laughs> Hell yeah.
2: Hell yeah. But I think 20 of these are just demo sounds and like our guide. So... Yeah, pretty low track count for anything that I work on. Usually it's <laughs> in the hundreds, yeah. I can't stop.
0: No, nope. Makes sense. This is fun. I love yeah, doing this. this is
1: awesome. I feel like this should happen more.
0: Yes, definitely. And it's so much fun to see these sessions too, because I've, I've never seen these.
2: Oh yeah, I guess so, eh? You would have seen the Pro Tools sessions when we were tracking stuff. I saw the Pro stuff,
0: Tools but, uh, sessions, but not these. Cool, well, let's pull up Santa Monica Boulevard,
2: Absolutely crammed full of, I lovingly refer to them as jokes, lots of little jazz moments and lots of
0: jazz moments. Well, one thing I really like. So the first single, "Satin Velvet, the one we just listened to has been out for about a week and actually it is doing exactly what I hoped, which is a lot of people just take it completely seriously as a smooth jazz track, (laughs) which is a hundred percent what I was hoping. Yeah. Because it's not really comedy. You know, it is produced very straight, pretty much taking it very seriously, but also it's kind of ridiculous,
2: right? I think when we even talked about it, like the record as a whole, the idea was that if you know nothing about it, you don't know about NSP or any other projects, you could just listen to the record as like a smooth jazz record. Right. Right. But if you were someone who plays jazz or listens to a lot of it or or kind of has that inside track, there's different nods to jazz tropes and certain yes. genre things. And it's almost like the whole record is winking at you, but only if you kind of know that it is.
0: 100%. That's, it. That's exactly right. And what I've been saying, which is an unsuccessful way to describe it, is it's a semi-comedic, which is... We took it seriously, but it's the whole idea is kind of stupid.
2: I made a whole career off of it, man. That's,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Have a yeah, wheel.
2: that's what I love. Yeah. That's my favorite part about, about music. I, I've yeah. always had the, you know, look, if, if I'm making something and it doesn't matter if it's, if it's for twerp or if it's, you know, for NSP or it's for like another, like if, if I can't like laugh at it and be like, that's funny and awesome, then I'm not interested. I couldn't do like yeah. a straight, any kind of project. It wouldn't be fun
0: hundred percent. I'm exactly the same way. So what I was gonna say with the last one is a number of people just listen to it. They're like, oh yeah, this rules, which I I think it does. I love that song unironically and I think it's great. There is also a level at which it's silly.
2: Absurd. Yeah, for sure.
0: And what is very gratifying to me is that I'm seeing both reactions (laughs) uh, when I look at the comments where people who are just liking it unironically You know, uh, there are comments like, oh, finally, like, this is exactly the kind of smooth jazz I've been looking for, which is great. That's what we wanted. And then there are people who are buying into the character aspect of it, you know, who maybe saw it live and they're kind of playing with that. It is people getting it exactly in the way I wanted them to get it. It's perfect. Yeah. It's very gratifying. It really is because it's like, before that thing came out, I was like, what are people going to think about this? But, it seems they are doing what I hoped they would do, which is liking the track because it's a really great, fun track. But also, you know, there's a little bit of weirdness to it.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: So this track, which the original title, which was just uh, basically just what the genre was, was, uh, you can see there in the session, Trey, Blues Gospel. So this, th- this track is is now called Santa Monica Boulevard, which was one of the later titles because I was driving on the four Oh five. And we pass Santa Monica Boulevard. Rachel, this was from Rachel. Rachel was like, that would be a great title for a Trey Magnifique song. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> it would be. Because if you live in LA, Santa Monica is a beach town. Most of Santa Monica Boulevard has nothing to do with Santa Monica and goes so far East that you're just in the middle of like generic looking buildings in LA. So it sounds glamorous and cool, but is really, really not.
2: I feel like if you're a recording artist who has just been to LA and you don't title one of your songs after a fucking street or a suburb (laughs) in Los Angeles, like, what are you doing?
0: hundred percent. Well, and the other thing, you know, I don't think I've put out the track list yet, but it may be out by the time this episode is, is the album is bi-coastal because there are some New York references in the track titles, Staten Island Time and 41st and 8th, which is the location of the Port Authority Bus Terminal. (laughs) And then uh, Santa Monica Boulevard. So this one is strongly inspired by one of my all-time heroes, Grover Washington Jr., who on a number of his tracks will switch genres a bit. And specifically, he does a thing on a number of tracks where he goes from like a bluesy kind of thing to like a really joyous, like fun section, not necessarily gospel, but in this section I made it gospel. So, uh, this is a standard 12 bar blues pretty much for the A section and then like a all out gospel extravaganza for the B and we just put them together. So why don't we listen to this from the top a little bit? Sure. So this singles out today. <laughs> So there we go. That's good enough. Yeah. 12 bar blues, nothing weird going on. Like this is another one, music theory wise, nothing interesting is happening in this song. Like it's pretty straight ahead, no weird chords. There's a the melody at the end which we didn't play. You just play the last uh, couple bars after, of the sax when the sax comes in of the twelve bar form. Like, okay, that's so. The only thing that's even vaguely interesting, and I use vaguely here, it's a little whole tone scale. Da do. Uh, on the sax. Why? It's it, That's one of those like sort of jazz jokes because that is a thing that is kind of a cliche. Does it sound cool? Fuck yeah, it sounds cool. That's why <laughs> I did it.
2: Sounds that's, like jazz. It,
0: it sounds like jazz. So it's a famous scale. That's the I had the weirdest dream last night scale. Right?
2: <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. It's, and it's really just it's just another A into a B into... A bunch of solos, uh, and then a B, and then an out. I'm pretty sure.
0: Yep. So yeah. The, so the 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 theory is not the interesting part. Standard minor blues, and then a gospel section, which we heard before. So this is one where the vibes, the vibraphone, is a little is a lot more present.
2: Yeah, I think we tried to use every piano <laughs> right. or non-synth. Is there any synths on this at all?
1: I don't think so. I don't think so. Yeah, no. Talk to me about that fucking whirly.
2: Oh no, there's an there's an M1 doing some strings. But yeah, a really uh jazz uh bluesy kind of
0: you solo the whirly
2: Oh, what a sound so yeah. good fucking noisy too yeah <laughs> <So> <laughs> it's noisy crunchy. i've recorded this world on pretty much every time I, I go to this studio that we were working at even though it's got a hum there's just something about that's great it's great so yeah we have worlds doing the riff in the left hand and then a bunch of comping i think just on different takes yep and what we kind of did what i had you do is just play the whirly and and then on the Hammond organ. Yeah. Oh, I love that Hammond.
0: So there's a, a full Hammond with the, the Leslie and everything. Yep. Uh, Leslie Speaker, for those who don't know. Yeah, here it is.
1: Uh.
2: Yeah. So taking um, all those pieces and then just kind of like little fill here and you can see just some editing and, you know, filling in the gaps without it sounding like, you know, way too much happening, Yep. Uh, kind of filling in the spots between the melody and just where the drums are kind of sitting and everything. Um, and then for the chorus, the big charging kind of organ vibe. Yeah, nice big Hammond organ there.
0: Yeah. And so the vibes are playing the the riff, right, too.
2: Yeah, and that's what the, the dampener all the way down. So yep. I pretty much just there for adding some more attack that okay. the are doesn't really. Add.
0: Also, no bass in for this first thing here, right?
2: Yep, no bass in. Drums. Yeah, so you can kind of hear all the uh, the keyboards kind of just. Having a you know what they're having a conversation amongst themselves.
0: Indeed in the they are. Yeah. And those are those are live drums by Hav. Yep. Uh, who is crushing it, as always. He was not well when he recorded this. He showed up very ill and some <laughs> somehow got through this. And we were like, Are you okay? He's like, Yes, I can do it. Yeah. Uh
2: yeah, I think we only had him play it maybe two takes, three takes, and then we're just like, all right, man, we'll we'll comp it together, don't worry about it.
0: I mean, to even do it, like, he was sick. You know, I was in town for a short period of time. We had, you know, it was like do or die kind of thing. And, you know, we gave him the outs, but he still showed up. And, you know, so much credit to that guy who is... A genuinely terrible person who I don't like to be around, uh, but he's a very talented drummer.
2: Rock solid drummer.
1: Yeah. And he deserved to be sick. It was, you know, the universe (laughs) punishing him.
0: Uh, I I don't like to brag about this typically, but I did bring COVID to Canada. So (laughs) do I apologize? No, it was going to get there eventually. But I like to think that I was kind of helping move things.
1: You're a trendsetter.
0: Uh, Indeed, I am. Thank you. Yeah, after a, after a short trip to Wuhan in late 2019, I think that I really, uh, I really am having an impact. On the I
1: world. wish I could audibly convey some of my eye rolls that I do on this on this show. As far as I'm concerned, they don't exist.
0: Anything in this A section that is worth pointing out? Saxophone's pretty standard. Nothing interesting happening there, really.
2: It's a regular sax. So for the sax, I think. Well, kind of my train of thought was that all the songs kind of like. I said earlier, they expand on different genres. They all kind of live in different places. Sorry. Some of them are like the nineties thing. And some of them, are, you know, this is more like a very seventies analog kind of, kind of fit. But the sax was all, I wanted it to be like very, very consistent across the whole thing. So like same mic same placement, same reverb, I think. I think so too, yeah. I think we just baked it into the Pro Tools session and I'm just maybe like adding a little bit more.
0: That's right, because I remember one where I was like, reverb's on this track a little much. And you're like, well.
2: We're kind of stuck with it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of the 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 glue holding the whole thing together is the, is the sax, So
0: Yeah, the Oxford Inflator, that's actually what they used to call me.
2: <laughs> back back in my when you were in the UK. College days, yeah. That's yeah. exactly right, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so just kind of uh, a few different plugins to uh, help with the sax. I mean, basically the sax is the lead vocal. You mix it in the same kind of way. Yeah. Um So I kind of treat it like that. So a little bit of Oxford Inflator, which is a plugin that uh, just kind of, I think it does a few different things, but it, it just has a way of like making something very present in the mix without turning it way the fuck up.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And then we have a little soothe with our de-honk <laughs> setting. <laughs> Get rid of a, yeah. a couple of those honky frequencies <clears throat> and then a little bit of EQ, obviously, and then I think we're just...
1: Sometimes when you when you honk that bobo, you need a little bit of that de-honker. You gotta yeah. de-honk
2: right after, yeah. <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, you can't de-bobo it.
2: You can't de-bobo, though. But yeah, and then a little bit of uh, 1176 compression.
0: That's my go-to for, for the UA
2: also yeah it's great works on everything and i think it's just hitting it just a little more compression than i thought on there
0: here actually play where you just were in that solo because there's a there's a stupid jazz thing i really like that i thought was very funny which uh, i know you did too but probably anyone listening won't (laughs) pick up as a joke All right, these little runs here.
2: (laughs) Oh, so perfect. Yeah.
0: Uh, I'm not a good enough sax player to be able to do that. Consist like to do a lot of those in succession, but a couple where I, you know, just that I can do. And I don't know. It just strikes me as the kind of self-indulgent bullshit that I really (laughs) like to throw into these.
1: That a Trey Magnifique would really
2: go yes.
0: for. It's like, look how fast I can play for a very short time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's not distance running, it's sprinting.
0: That's right. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. I believe those are the fastest licks on the record.
2: <laughs> those, yeah, those I think right they have there. to be. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so that's our, our sax input. And I think whatever we were running into it before Pro Tools, so probably a little bit of Compression and reverb that was recorded.
0: Yeah. Why don't we play the the B section so we can hear that gospel for a second here.
2: Do we want to work up to this final? Because the final B section is pretty, pretty special.
0: Pretty but nuts. Okay, well, that, let's talk about my favorite part of this track, which oh, is yeah. the, you know, you know what I'm going to say, the solo yeah. that's after the sax solo. <laughs> yeah. So it's a guitar solo. But it's so much more than just a guitar solo.
2: So much more. I mean, I feel like we just listen to the, the whole solo. Yeah. It's an Great. Yeah. Let's
0: do it. Yeah. I mean, oh, oh,
1: very, very good,
0: beautiful. So that, of course, is the infamous Lord Phobos playing that solo, mm-hmm. which is great by itself. If were that just the guitar solo, that would be incredible. Absolutely crushed it. Well, uh, uh, interrupt me if you'd rather tell this. I me mean, ouch. But um, we recorded for about a week. I think it was seven days total, something like that. And one day, I'm walking back from getting dinner. And the aforementioned Tom Darcy, who engineered, right? That's what his role was for this. Yep. 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 Uh, Engineered the session and is a very talented musician in his own right, sends us a track and says something to the effect of, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) And it is this guitar solo with him singing the solo, the guitar melody at the same time. (laughs) Well hope I keep that going. It's so good.
1: <laughs>
2: I mean, <laughs> I mean, this is music.
0: This is music. I I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, look, this was just like him being an awesome, amazing person, feeling inspired and doing this thing, which (laughs) was...
1: I just couldn't help myself. (laughs) It's like the most beautiful (laughs) thing that you could get alongside that.
0: (laughs) It's so great. I mean, it elevates this from being like, I think a fun, cool track to like, oh my God, for me, this is what makes this particular track special. And it's just it is so great.
1: It's breathtaking. Yes. I don't want to spoil the record, but the one might say that it has a bit of a scat fetish.
0: There's some oof.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was great, Leighton.
0: Congratulations.
1: Thanks. You're <laughs> welcome. But it's some of my favorite parts of
2: the record. There's more scat on the record than just this too. Oh yeah. But yeah, one one interesting thing or or cool. I guess, aspect of this is we asked Phobos to come in and we're like, okay, well, the song needs a solo. Why don't you do like a George Benson yes. solo?
0: Also one of our favorites.
2: Unbelievable. One of my favorite artists yes. and one of yours. Huge inspiration. Yep. He's an amazing singer and guitar player. But one of his kind of trademarks is he does the scat solo as he's playing. Yep. Yeah. I don't even think it was like we had said like, oh, well, you we should scat on top of this. No. Tom just did it. He just did it. And I don't know if he did it knowingly. I don't know if he was just bored. I don't
0: remember. Yeah.
2: I work with him all the time. And sometimes he'll just like send me other vocal runs where I know he's just kind of like hanging out and has an idea. And he's very, very fast when he's recording and and singing. He's so fucking talented. Yeah. He'll just send me something. Yeah, I was bored and I did this. He'll send me something and it's fucking amazing. But yeah, it, it elevated the George Benson guitar solo, which was already great to like. A level of authenticity that no one asked for. Yes,
0: and that <laughs> like eight part or whatever harmony at the end. Uh, Can you play that oh, with that chord yeah. at the end? <laughs> oh, amazing! How does he get up there? That is—he's <laughs> he's got a range up there. He's got yeah,
2: a real strong range. He's
0: so talented, dude. Like you talk to him, and he's just like this very, you know you know kind of chill modest guy and then bam bust this shit out but this does lead us into this next section which is definitely the emotional peak of the track so uh why don't we just play a little bit of this
2: just roll right into it yeah yeah
0: Okay, so we're in church
2: now. We're in church, fully in church.
0: And why don't you talk a little bit about what's happening here?
2: Yeah, so for this section, yeah, we wanted to make it just kind of big and gospely, and kind of have that church kind of vibe to it. And there's quite a few things that are happening that give it that. Obviously, we have our big piano chords. Nice. Uh, We have our strings. Very, very fake sounding M1 strings. The fakest. Yep. Uh, Then obviously the organ. It's not a drawbar church organ, but it's close enough. Taking it home. Beautiful.
0: With that speaker rotating.
2: Oh, yeah. Yep. And then we have a 12-part choir. From the very talented McKenna Ray. McKenna Ray. Yeah, did all of these parts here. Yeah, just a big, huge, stacked choir. Um, Amazing. I was sitting there working on it. I was like, ah, choir would sound really cool. I'm just going to get her to see if she can record it and then send it to you after the fact. Uh, and it works. It works great in the mix. So great. Yeah.
0: The first time that gospel comes in, that choir is not there.
2: Yeah. This is just for the final, final chorus.
0: But I think everything else is right.
2: Yes. Yeah. Just again, one of those kind of arrangement tricks. You want to just one up your yep. final chorus or make something different. Other thing there's obviously beautiful.
0: Oh yeah. Those chimes now look, I have many talents, I think it's important to acknowledge our successes. I did play the chimes on this, and I crushed
2: it—absolutely crushed it.
0: What was the mic? We had a, a nice, like, mic with the panning built in, or something. Is that
2: right? Oh yeah, I was um, yeah, like a stereo ribbon mic, I think. Yeah, uh, a Royer, maybe. So you, I can't remember. Yeah, what so mic you
0: could was. really hear it go from left to right on that, or yeah. whatever it's doing.
2: Yeah, and then a few other layers. We have um, these like cymbal swells and just bring us into the next section without it being just kind of an aggressive crash symbol. Did we record Uh, those
0: claps in studio? I can't remember.
2: Um, so, I don't think we, we might have done these, although that looks like a sample.
1: The clap wet, which is what should be happening while you're listening to this album.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, there's that, and then there's this little guy, which is a very fun plugin from Robotic Bean. I think I just like the name of the company that makes it. Mm -hmm. But, this is just a, a hand clap plugin, which is super cool, and you can uh, adjust the number of clappers and how like how loose they are.
0: Fifteen percent looseness on that on that clap is that right?
2: Fifteen percent, you can right.
0: That's a loose clap.
2: Yeah, you can get it from like tight, like you know, people who like know how to clap, and then you can turn the looseness all the way up, and then it's just chaos it's just 2 a.m. at a bar <laughs> yeah fucking and hammered and... All right so a fun little plug-in for, for that sort of thing
0: yep I think the ending is worth playing as well oh
2: yes absolutely yep yeah. <laughs> Beautiful. there's that vibraphone. Hear yeah, that
0: thing. vibraphone ring out. Oh yeah. This ending is what I refer to as uh, pentatonic bullshit, <laughs> and uh, yeah. it's just walking up and down in various instruments uh, a minor pentatonic and in <laughs> any combination without any regard for taste or decency. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so you can see as like as the riffs are playing on top of each other, they're kind of switching which speaker they're going through and oh, yeah. giving a little bit of that ear candy that you get in headphones.
0: Can you just isolate the vibe vibes track on that. I can't remember. Is it just quarter notes? Yeah, smooth. That is actually the maximum ability I have on the vibraphone, demonstrated in that one take (laughs) that took 40 tries to get. Worth it. It really was. I mean, my time is valuable. Other people's isn't, (laughs) Uh, as demonstrated by this podcast. And I (laughs) think, is there anything else worth pointing out on this particular track here?
2: Bass guitar pass on this. Play some of that. Recorded after the fact, I think. Well, yes.
0: uh-huh. oh, I want to rap over this. It's
2: so good. <laughs> Rapping daddy. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. It's just a uh, jazz bass. couple plugins here. Full tech. Leasing on bass there, full bass, And then... Base cab emulation and then a little bit of eq yeah but i think i comped it pretty hard going in so amazing but uh yeah i mean i think this song has the most guest players on it
0: i think that's true
2: dr sung did make it on the record we're not looking at that song today but he plays a very very important pivotal role
0: yes i played all the keys on this normally when we do nsp we switch up key duty on various things depending on who's feeling what with this one i want to do all the keys because it's a solo record and it was like well i want song involved on it somehow and he came to the studio just to kind of hang out and then we found i think it was even his idea he brought a particular instrument that he probably has the most skill of any of his instruments on and uh and played that and did it very
2: well you know, think the vibraphone is hard
0: yeah no th- this is this is next level Yeah. I mean, I suppose we could also talk a little bit about why these are the singles, although I don't have much to say except I was very conflicted about it because there are so many genres on this album within jazz that, like, I didn't know what best exemplified the record. Definitely wanted that smooth one, Satin Velvet, on there. This one, the second single, could have been any one of a number of things. I feel like this kind of goes right down the middle of being. Jazzy and still pretty smooth, still on that like Benson-y kind of thing, as you said, Mm. but uh, also having a little bit more gas than the previous one.
2: You want a jazz blues on there.
0: Yeah, you got to.
2: It's what the people want. They crave it and need it. Everyone, look,
0: there's a reason jazz is the most popular genre in the world (laughs) right now. And I like to think that this song exemplifies why.
1: Yeah. I feel like this was a really successful experiment with the podcasting format. This was amazing.
0: I couldn't agree more. I love doing this. It is so much fun. Well, meow, yeah, it's always fun to talk to you. But just seeing these sessions, you know, as I said, I haven't seen inside the session before. I just heard the, the process as it was going on. You would send me clips. I mean, that's something else we, we should really talk about is as opposed to a, maybe a more traditional jazz record, which is not necessarily like a producer's playground, this one was very much, we recorded it, and then you went off with these tracks and made them what they are, right? You did a ton of work, not just with the bass, but with the drums and the production. And so you mixed it also, as I said, like there, you spent a lot of time and effort on on this album. And that's not the way a lot of jazz albums are, are done. It's like you get in the room, you engineer the thing, it's a session, that's what it is. So I just want to, you know, commend you for making this album actually decent and <laughs> yeah, better than decent. I love this album.
2: Super fun. But yeah, I mean, especially the older jazz records, like, fuck, man, sometimes it's like one microphone in a room, play the chart three times, and then that's it, you're done. That's right. But uh, yeah, no, it was super fun to work on so many different genres and different techniques. And and I don't do a lot of uh, final mixing. Usually when I'm working on a project in a producer role or whatever, I find mixing that extra step you want like some more objective years yeah. on it. Right. When you're like, you're just sitting with a project for too long for this one though, it was so specific in terms of like, yes. well, this song we wanted to sound like, you know, something Kenny G would have put out in like 92 or whatever. Yeah. And then this song is like, okay, well you want it to sound like, I don't know, like a Herbie Hancock record or a George Benson record, or you want this one to sound like it was made, you know, on a fucking trident, digital workstation right you know it's like also very specific giving it to like another mix engineer they probably would have have made it sound too good yes you're just not like feeling the vibe of each kind of tune so yeah totally uh, super fun
0: yeah dude well I, i do i agree this was awesome you know i'm always happy to do these again maybe when the full album is out we can bust into a few more tracks especially to hear songs work which i do want to spend two hours talking about.
1: Oh my God. I would really love this kind of thing for Staten Island time, which is my favorite off that's, the record. That's I'd the one we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But also me just a thrill to have you back on the show and just to spend any time with you at all is a gift from the old ones.
2: My pleasure.
1: It's great hanging.
0: We're not going to do segments this week because we didn't want to cheapen the experience of this record with
1: segments. (laughs) Stupid segments. Who cares? Also,
0: how can any theme song or whatever it is you call them, Leighton, hold up to scrutiny in comparison to this? So this is it. We did a song exploder. I believe, Leighton, what do you call it? Schlong exploder. I think that's what you called it. And I think this was a a huge success and I had such a great time doing it. Super fun.
1: Me too. Hope the folks at home enjoyed it as well. Where can people find your singles,
0: Trey? I mean, look at my socials, uh, which everybody probably listening, to this is already on, but uh, at Bewecked, and they'll be posted there. TreyMagnifique.Bandcamp.com, they're up there. Maybe on SoundCloud if I get my act together. Uh, and then on YouTube, if you search for Satin Velvet or Santa Monica Boulevard, too many S names, uh, you can find them there too. And this one, we'll have a video, I should tell you, so you've seen it, or maybe you have, if you're listening to this, a video with me and the delightful Tom Carty also is in the video for this one. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so uh, it's really fun driving around L.A. in a stupid car. And uh, hopefully that video will actually have come out when this episode drops. Yeah.
1: Folks at home, thanks for joining us again. I hope that your day or night or whenever you're listening to this is full of wet claps, fast licks, No dry, full, wet, isolated vibes. Goodbye.
2: Goodbye. (laughs) Bye.
0: Late Night is produced by Brian Wecht, Leighton Gray, and Jarek Centeno. Follow us on Twitter at Leighton Night, on Instagram at Leighton underscore night, or email us at Night at gmail.com.